Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, this is Zivi Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And speaking of books, I have two of my own books coming out this spring and summer. Princess Charming is a picture book, which debuts on April 19th, and Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature comes out on July 1st, and it is truly a labor of love. I hope you'll pre-order, order, and join me on tour as I go across the country. You can find out more at zibbyowens.com or bookendsmemoir.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens because I always post about everything. Enjoy the show. Gervais Haggerty is the author of In Polite Company, a novel. Gervais grew up in Charleston, South Carolina. After reporting and producing the news for both radio and television, she taught communications at the Citadel. When not writing, she works on local environmental and transportation issues. She lives in Charleston with her husband and two daughters. Welcome, Gervais. Thanks for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss In Polite Company. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, well, I have to say what appealed to me initially about this was the Charleston setting because my husband lived in Charleston for like 12 years and loved it so much that his he got his parents to move there and his sister who ended up living there even longer than he did. So, oh my gosh, what yeah. part of town? When I met him, I actually like went down there a bunch, but yeah. he lived on Folly Beach with a couple oh, friends. Awesome. But he worked on Sullivan's Island for a while. And his parents lived in, you take the bridge and it's a little bit further away. Okay. It's probably Mount Pleasant or something. Mount Pleasant. Mount Pleasant. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Does that make, is there's, that? There's an Allendaw. That's even farther. Yeah. Yeah. That's where they lived when I met them. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Cool. So anyway, I got to go into that, that famous biscuit place, Callie's Biscuits. Yeah. Yeah. The King Street area. She is quite a businesswoman. She's really hustled. It's kind of fun to watch from afar. 
Yeah. My in-laws had a crumb cake business, so they had... I mean, I still have it, my sister-in-law. But anyway, at one point, we were like, you should partner with Callie's Biscuits. Like, that would be amazing. Like, where's yeah. her Where's her facility? So anyway, I was like, I would love to go to Charleston. Thank you for asking. <laughs> and it didn't disappoint. You have, like, all the places and everything. Plus, of course, this wonderful relationship. So could you please tell listeners what Implant Company is about and what inspired you to write it? Sure. Okay. Well, I'll give my little pitch. Impolite Company, as you said, it's based in Charleston, which is my hometown. And it's kind of a like a peek behind the veil of high society here. So it's like an invitation to those beautiful antebellum homes along the water, into the fancy parties. So uh, like debutante balls with kidskin gloves that go past the elbow, pearls, oysters. But I do say, I just stamped with a big fat warning label, there's sex, drugs, and rock and roll in here. <laughs> and I like to think a little bit of a flick in the nuts to the patriarchy. Ooh. So it's been such a blast to write and it's been just even more fun to talk about it. So once again, thank you so much for having me on. Of course. What I really loved was the depiction well, I mean, one of the things that stood out was this depiction of an older relationship, right? La- I'm going to mispronounce. Tito Laudi. and Laudi? Laudi? Laudi. Yeah, uh-huh. Laudi. Laudi. So yeah. hearing what it's like to be in a gra- the relationship that the grandmother is in mm-hmm. right? and watching that and the way you wrote their relationship and then what she might have kept from him in the past and how that all starts trickling out. But also just what does it mean to not settle? That's the wrong word. What does it mean to like settle into your relationship in old age and have misgivings or have whatever? And what does that look like? I don't know. I found that like really fascinating. So tell me, talk to me more about that relationship. Well, the second question you asked, and I was so excited to get my pitch. I just blew right through it, was the inspiration of my novel. And that is my grandmother, Aggie is her name. And when I, I was away for about a decade, I came back to Charleston in my late 20s the city looked different. It felt different. I was different. I was licking my wounds from a divorce. And I'd come back and I saw my grandmother in a different way. I mean, when you have a relationship with your grandmother as a child, it's just like very sweet and pure and simple love. And when I came back, I saw her as a much more complicated individual. And we became really good friends. And she is, she was a very curious person. She wasn't very necessarily feisty, but I knew if I could kind of run her around the city, we could go have a lot of adventures. And we did. And it made me think like, gosh, how many adventures did she not have just because of the times that she was born into, the circumstances, the just the systems at play with, with just like males and females in the South, in the city, in the world. And then when she was uh, in hospice, I was just, a, I was a wreck. I was a wreck, obviously, because I, I love her and I was just heartbroken that she was leaving this world. But I was also, I was angry because I thought what her life could have been. Mm-hmm. And it, it really just gave me this fire to start writing. I didn't ever intend to write a novel. I had this time, it was a catharsis. And so I was just writing and writing and writing and trying to process all of this because I just imagine that if she were born at a different time, we just would have been these two best friends exploring the world together and and, and making up our dreams and chasing after them. And so, I don't know, I feel like I just, I just wanted to give her a wild side that, you know, I just, I don't think she ever was encouraged to have. That's so cool. It's like the back to the future grandmother edition. Yeah. 
I love that. Right? Because I would love to hang out with my grandmother too. Like, what would she be yeah. like if we were the same age? I mean, yes. I miss her terribly, but yeah. she was so feisty and funny and had like the best sense of humor. And I'm like, I sometimes I think the same thing. It's like, okay, well, if she were here today, you know, she'd probably be on Twitter all the time. You know what I mean? Like she'd have like a totally different life yeah. and we'd probably be friends. I think there's the thing about that skipped generation that makes it like, okay, to be really close to your grandmother, no matter no, what. It is true. It, yeah. Cause you can't tell your mom everything. Mm-hmm. I just, or I didn't. And yeah. yeah, there, there is that, that kind of buffer. It, that is, that's yeah. And I loved like how perfect it was the one scene where you have her stretching and doing her ballet at the bar. Right. And the mom comes in and of course the granddaughter gets in trouble for letting her grandmother stretch. I'm not speaking very coherently, but you know, like there's a scene in which the grandmother is, has her leg like up high or something like that. And the mom comes in and is like, what are you doing to your grandmother? She's going to fall. She's going to break her hip, whatever. And there's this like conspiratorial glance, right? Like it's okay. Like it's okay. This is what she wants to do. But of course the mom is the bad guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's another just interesting part of just, just aging and you know, if you do the things you love, you're not going to be able to do anything much more, but maybe just go out with the bang. And so I, I, my grandmother was a beautiful woman. She used to walk the streets of Charleston. Everybody knew when Aggie went for a walk. I mean, she could kind of walk with this little strut and all the men would come out to the piazza. And my, my aunt Susan even wrote a poem about her once. And it goes, some moms have this and some moms have that, but I've got a mom you can whistle at. Uh, and she's just, but she was never a dancer, but it was really easy for me to imagine because she was just so elegant. And so that is sort of how that all came to be. And then I wanted to give her that backstory, that passion, that desire, that like untouchable dream that a man didn't have his hands on. Wow. Do you have a picture of her? I do. I have a younger one, but I have to like run far away, but this is her <laughs> ring I wear every Aww. day. That's gorgeous. That is so gorgeous. Yeah. So it's like sometimes when I don't write, I kind of give it a little, yeah. So, well, you're like stunningly beautiful. So I'm not, I would not be surprised that she is also sweet. Uh, (laughs) I have not put on makeup or washed my hair in six days. So (laughs) until today. (laughs) Well, then I feel even worse. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy to think of what life would be like and and what maybe our lives will be like in future generations. But anyway, wait, so tell me a little more about, you didn't think you were writing a novel. Keep going. And by the way, with rings, I found this ring at a pawn shop in Charleston, like a, what do you call it? Like one of those antique stores, my wedding ring. Can you see it? Yeah. And then we bought it and brought it back here and I had a jeweler like resize it. And then he found out, the jeweler up here found out it was actually, the diamond was totally cracked. So we sent it back the actual thing, but then the, my jeweler up here made an exact copy that like wasn't the original. But I always wondered too, like, what is the story of the woman who wore this ring in Charleston and how did it get in that store and who was it? Anyway, if I were a novelist, I would, I would try to write that story. <laughs> that's such a good, that's such a good nugget. I mean, that's all it really takes to get a story. It's just this one kernel of fascination that you can just kind of like stare at and manipulate and try to yes. figure out. I wrote, so I was a professor at the Citadel, which is the military college here. And I had these breaks. I had summers off. And that was, one was a summer my my grandmother was in hospice. And it was my, my second child was an infant. And my first maternity leave, 
I mean, I love being with my baby, but I was going bonkers, not using my brain in a way I was supposed to. It was like bad. It was just, I was, it was not healthy, I don't think. And so this next go around with this next kid, I'm like, I'm going to have somebody for three hours a day, just three. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to do something. And then through the whole situation with my grandmother, it became writing. So that's how it got started. And then I just got obsessed And I think in life, if you find something that you're just like, nothing is going to get in your way, maybe that's the thing you need to be doing. And so when I just, I really worked hard on this novel for years and then I just networked my tail off and I met as many people as I could. And I begged this woman who's a New York Times bestseller based on the Isle of Palms to read my manuscript. It took her about a year. But not too long after she did, and she gave me great advice, she kind of connected me with my editor. Like I had an offer with HarperCollins before I had an agent. It was all just a real fairy tale dream. So I I tend to get things I want through the back door, (laughs) but it it, it works for me. Yeah. So that's kind of how I was doing that. And then I took the leap leaving my my job, which was great. I absolutely loved it. I mean, it's a military college. So I wore a uniform. I had shoulder boards and a beret. No. I was teaching all these handsome 18 to 22 year olds. There's some women there too. Uh, yeah. It was a tough decision. Wait, but what, I were you, what were you teaching them? Communication. So I used to work, this won't be surprising. You're having read it. I used to work as a news producer and reporter. So I had, then that's what my main character does. So that's, I had that and I have my MBA and that's how I got to be teaching at the Citadel. It was it was so fun. So anyway, but then I then my husband and I we just made this big financial plan of how we would save our money. So I had enough cash for a year where we weren't dipping into our savings. That if I didn't sell the book, we wouldn't be in a financial panic. But fortunately, I did. Wow, that is so cool. Good for you. Yeah, for really, like really taking fun. the risk and just doing it. How so? How old are your kids now? Six and four. Wow. Oh my gosh. See, this just goes to show all this determination, right? Like books take time, but like yeah. it, they, it, it can work out, right? <laughs> it can. I, I mean, I really think like it is sheer will. I mean, I'm just going to do it. That's how I feel. And I'm almost done with this next one and I'm just pushing constantly. Tell me, tell me about the next yeah. one. Oh, well, okay. So it's so hard to sum up something, but I'm going to do my best. So I like to think of it as in four parts. So this is my first book, as you know, is first person and one perspective. This next one is four different perspectives. One is an older woman and sort of the root cause, her motivations are the secrets we keep from the people we love to protect them. Mm. So you probably have somebody in your life who like, you know something about that person and they might wail against you. They might, you know, be mean or say something. And you know, you could reveal this one thing and it would just shut them up, but you would never do that because you love them so much. So that's one character. Oh, and it's all based on uh, an island off the coast of Charleston. And you'll also head back to Charleston because I'm a Charleston writer, at least for now. I love it. <laughs> and then the the second character, Rhett, she is in the 10th year of her marriage. And I think I, I'm around that too. And I just think it's a fascinating time of, you know, you're, you're, you're growing, you love each other, but you're also like, oh, you know, you're kind of like out of the monkey room with the babies. And mm-hmm. so you're sort of like, like this, like, oh, I, I find other men attractive. Like, what is that? You know, I, I'm really interested in, in sexuality and as it changes. So I've been really mining that and it's been a lot of fun. And I don't know, I like to read about sex and write about sex. So there you go. The third is a character who worked really hard her whole life and had this 
what she thought was an amazing job, but she just comes to this kind of epiphany and she's like, I hate it. I got to get out of here. And I think that speaks to a ton of people who just sort of wake up and like, I, I thought I had it all and it really feels like nothing. And the final character is the Citadel Cadet, just because they're just such a fascinating population that I was just pretty much studying during my years there. Uh, And I taught public speaking. And that was such a fun thing to teach because I would get to hear their stories. So I like to think I knew that population better than somebody, a tenured professor who's been there for decades, because you know, that person was always talking at the front of the auditorium as opposed to me listening. So yeah, so it's a mix of all of that. You get to be in Charleston. I think it's just uh, kind of racing through all this beautiful low country land. You get to go downtown to Rainbow Row and then definitely on the campus on this, of this military college, which is just this like wild place. So yeah. Oh my gosh. Fun. You know, I love how you just described the characters, not by what they look like or their ages or whatever, but by the thing about them that everyone can relate to. Like that's okay. really, that's really smart. People don't do that. Oh, thanks. That was my first pitch. I'm glad it's Zibby approved. <laughs> it's Zibby approved for sure. <laughs> it makes me want to change like how I think, of, how I describe things also. I mean, cause of course you, cause then you just immediately relate, you know, anyway. Cool. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. By the way, I'm coming to Charleston at some point to promote my memoir to the Charleston Society Library. So, Oh my gosh, yes. Well, you know, we're so intertwined here and we're either related or, you know, whatever. The director was my teacher in seventh grade. I grew up with her son. It's no beautiful way. there. I'm going to come. I'll get a ticket. Okay, awesome. Maybe you can be yeah, involved or something. Lovely, that would be really spot. fun. Okay, that would be fun. It would, oh, I'll be there. Yeah. Yes, you just okay. tell me when and I will be happy to do whatever I could okay. do. Awesome. We're planning it now. So yeah, I'll loop you in. We'll have to get your email. Or Great. Anyway, we'll, we'll circle around. <laughs> yes, lovely. <laughs> I, also, I also love how you just described yourself as like going through the back door to get anything done. That's such a funny thing to say. It, it, I mean, it's such a self-aware, like interesting thing to say because it's so hard to get through the front door to do anything, especially in 
publishing. Right? Do you know? What I mean? Like, it seems like the front doors are locked shut. So how will you? How will anybody get in? I feel like the same way. In a, in a way, like I wasn't like there was no red carpet. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, that's something I've definitely learned to do. Because I mean, I got to teach undergrad. I couldn't teach masters. I mean, uh, graduates. But but you know, a lot of people have their PhD and stuff, and all I had was an MBA. But you can do that, right? And and that's because I knew somebody, and I had to, you know try for that particular position and, and interview and, and do all that stuff. But, and then same thing with this, getting my book deal. Yeah, I just, it's a hustle. And I think it's, so when I was working at the Citadel there, I was really close with the director of career services. And a lot of times they're like, oh my God, we need somebody to talk to all the juniors of second battalion about how to get a job. Can you, can you cover? And because I taught public speaking, I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, I got it. I can cover for you. And so I helped out with this particular lecture and it basically said, whatever you want, you do two things. One is you work, your, you work so hard to improve the skills and the direction that you want. So for me, that would be writing. Just write, 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 read, 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 write, write, write. And then two, you network. And that's what I did. And I think that's really kind of how you can get the things you want. I have an MBA too. Do you think it's helped you in your writing career? Like what, what, what pieces of it have helped? I've read your bio. You have a much fancier MBA than I do. Doesn't matter. I'm just asking the program in general. (laughs) Oh God. I mean, I I truly don't know if, I mean, I don't mean to diss the Citadel, but I mean, you had it Harvard, right? It doesn't matter. You know, you teach like (laughs) management and all the things and finance, accounting and marketing and like all the stuff. Like I remember when I was at school, Somebody raised their hand and said, you know, if you're an author, you're still selling a product, but your product is words, right? You're, you're manufacturing your own product, yeah. and, but then you still have to market it. Right. Anything right. else. It could be a can of Diet Coke or it could be, you know, an 800 word essay, but you have the same responsibility to get it out into the world. doesn't matter what you are. You know, I completely, I completely agree with that. Our particular program, I don't know if it was like so holistic that it would, I don't know. What I think really helped me was, frankly, I was, I hit rock bottom when I was going through that divorce. And I know you've had a heartbreak too. And I had, I'm a really naturally buoyant person. I'd never been depressed before. I was 28. I even went roller skating on a date to impress a guy and I broke both my arms. I had to go back in with my mother. She had to bathe me which is like different than bathing a child. An adult human has like far more hormones and smells. And like, you just don't realize how much you scrub yourself until your mom has to bathe you. It was so rough. Sibby, it was such a hard time in my life. And I had to crawl myself out of that hole. And it was just, I think that was like a big lesson. And so kind of ever since I've just been like, I haven't stopped. Like I got out of the hole, but um, I'm just continuing to move forward. And I'm just really grateful that I, I never want to do it again. I, I feel like that cause has to like reach me to the next level of awareness. Like it was so hard, but I'm really, I'm really glad for that experience. The heartache that I felt that is something I can always tap into when I'm writing a scene, trying to channel these different characters. But I think it was more just the life experience of being knocked down flat that, oh my that I can be thankful for that. Yeah. How long had you been married? Only like a, a couple years, but he was my college boyfriend and he was a sweetheart. He was a total gentleman. And um, he's not Trip in the book um, because <laughs> if he was Trip in the book, no one would understand why she didn't love the guy. I was just at this point in my life that was like this peak of like arrogance and naivete. And I just thought I was better. 
And then I get out in the real world and I get back on the dating scene and I'm like, oh my God, women are treated like this. Like I just had no idea. I was so protected and loved by him and it was um, shocking. And so that um, brings in that kind of me too moment experience within my novel. And that also really got me thinking about at the time, you know, I'm trying to date, I'm trying to recover from all of this. And I'm with my grandmother and I see her at the end of her life, at the end of this very long marriage with, you know, as much as we make progress in the world, like in the boardrooms, like as soon as that bedroom door shuts, we're just, it feels like, at least for me, I was tipped back into that power uh, dynamic where the man was on top and I was unsure. And is this right? Is this, this is what we do? I don't know. And um, I think, I think as a, as a collective group, I think we're teaching our daughters to, to trust our guts better. But I was kind of amazed at somebody who was nearly 30. I just didn't, I, I, I was, I was just blindsided. Well, I think part of the problem is that people don't talk like the whole prevailing wisdom is what stays behind closed. What happens behind closed doors stays behind closed doors. I just mm-hmm. literally I just wrote this essay two days ago um, because I feel like finally there is emerging this new genre of like reality marriage lit. Like, like I think mm. people are finally creaking mm-hmm. open those doors, mm-hmm. which will help everyone, right? Because you go through and you have all this input, and then all of a sudden it's like you're in your marriage and nobody talks about it. And you're like, is this normal? Is this not normal? Is this how I'm supposed to feel? Is this not how I'm supposed to feel? Like, what are the rules here? And, and like, nobody talks about it. So I feel like we, everybody has to start talking about it more just enough to help people, especially when, especially because people are so open, right? Like we're in a culture where we're so open about everything. And then it's like, right. And then you feel like, well, what are people not talking about? What are we protecting? Like what's yeah, going I've on? heard kind of, you know, people looking at Americans or like, we, you know, we trace trapes around in thongs, but we're actually quite puritanical, you know, mm-hmm. when it comes to, you know, it's just yes. this funny. And I get that. Um, and that's why, you know, I guess I just was so interested in exploring this, um, that particular, like kind of the main dynamic is that Rhett and her husband. Yeah. And I've been, I've been listening to a lot of Esther Perel and just mm-hmm. like reading a lot of that kind of stuff. And I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm it's, it's fascinating to me, which makes it an absolute blast to write about. And it's a good thing my husband is like a strong man because he's, he's like, what is she doing all day? He's <laughs> 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 a good guy. <laughs> put up with a lot. <laughs> what, uh, what is the name of your next book, by the way? I don't know because, all right, so my other book, I was originally titling it Zinnias because of, you know, the flowers mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. quite, quite throughout the novel. And then I got my New York editor who I love but she kind of just, you know, she tells it to you like it is. She's like, Zinnia's sounds like a gardening book. Can't be that. And so we just went through this whole list. It took forever. And um, at one point I threatened to tell her, look, if you don't pick one of these titles I've given you, I'm going to call it South of Broad Broads. And if you know Charleston, <laughs> you know South of Broad. Anyway, so we came up with this title, which I think is great. But at this point, I'm like, I don't really know. I kind of want to call it The Secrets because there's this place um, that's... Uh, in question that these people go to that the family is aware of, but they're not sure who the land belongs to and what those people are doing there. And I think it's kind of a cool title. I also know there's a book called The Secret, and is that confusing? And it's, does it say enough about what the book is? I don't know if it's paired with like a low country marsh. Hmm. Book covers are tricky. Because um, also with this one, they when they first 
gave me. I love this cover. It's really fun, isn't it? Yeah. Um, book cover designs. It was the same sort of stuff you put on your typical beach read, which I was really nervous about because I'm like, you have to show some edge. Otherwise, if someone's going to open this book and they're going to see some grit in here and they're not going to like it because it wasn't as advertised. So it's like, we have to show something other than just a sunset, you know? So anyway, I feel like this at least is, the, it matches the tone really well. It's true. I love it. Very cool. Particularly the high tops. The high tops on the dress <laughs> is a nice Thank touch. you. <laughs> Can you imagine being like the, I mean, I'm sure this didn't actually happen. I'm sure it's like Photoshopped or something, but how fun would it oh, be? Like- oh, it was originally a, a, a blonde girl cheerleader. And then they oh. like did the hair and then I, and then I made them put on the Chuck Taylors, but I had to remove the the label because otherwise it just looked like that she would have been a part of the book and it wasn't. So huh. I didn't want to have too much attention anyway. Wow. Very cool. You kind of got to know in the publishing world, like what you can push on and what you don't want to push on. And so that was one of the things was like, I'm just going to be a little pushy here. And I'm glad I was. I was so pushy about my cover for my memoir. We went through so many rounds. I was literally emailing my editor. I was like, you're never going to want to work with me again. Because I was it's like, hard. I was like, it just can't look like this. If it looks like this, like this is not representative and this is not what's yes. inside. And yes. you know. anyway, um, yeah, I do think covers are super important, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Book so by the true. cover, but you know, nobody has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, well, I love, I love this one. I think it's so cute. With oh, your... thank, you. thank you. And I noticed how the watch just kind of turns, so you think about the time moms don't have time to. Or did you do that on purpose? Literally, this wasn't the, the cover. This is this was going on in my kitchen, and my husband took this picture. What during really? the pandemic? Yeah, it was not posed. Like I was freaking out during the pandemic and he was like standing in the kitchen with me and just took that picture. We were trying to bake. I'm so impressed because I was like, also, I like how she has her kids, but she doesn't, I guess she did choose not to show their faces. So I well, like, like the it. one, he took a few in a row and the other one, you could see their faces, you know, but he happened to take a bunch. That is cool. Yeah. The other, my other cover was posed the first one, but this one was just like a yeah. pandemic moment. But yeah. anyway, um, okay. Last question. Advice for sure. aspiring authors. Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? Oh, tons. But I'll just stick with, you just got to put your butt in the chair and you just have to write. And you're going to have a nagging little voice saying, is this good enough? Who's going to read this? And there's zero point in paying attention to that because it doesn't move you forward. It does not make you a better writer. The only thing that's going to make you a better writer is to just keep writing. So give yourself goals. For me, it was a thousand words a day. And if I didn't hit 5,000 by Friday, I'd work on the weekend. You treat it as a job and just be easy on yourself when it comes to, you know, that little voice. But also, you know, it's, it's hard work. And if you want to get your foot in that door, the back door or the front door, like you have to have a completed manuscript that you've really given it your whole heart. Amazing. I love it. Thank you. This has been so fun. I've learned how to do a reel. I guess that was before we started filming. <laughs> yeah. I learned how to do time-lapse photography, more about cover Photoshopping. I mean, this is great. Thank you. All this knowledge. Well, yeah. Well, let me know when you come to Charleston. I'd love to show you around. I can take you into some of these homes and um, oh, if you'd ever love want it. to. Or, yeah. 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 Come so to fun. my childhood home. It's really cool. Oh, yeah. It's you. all just, you know, within walking distance of that library society. It's a beautiful space. So oh, I can't wait. Oh, yeah. Yay. You're going to have a blast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I will definitely be in touch about that. Wonderful. Well, thank you again so much for having me. I know you've got so much going on and you, you interview the coolest people. I was like, she interviewed Leanne Moriarty and she's going to interview me. Yeah. I have all her books here. I just meant to like, uh, I, you know, anyway. Yeah. She's, I'm a huge fan. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. She's awesome. That was yeah. about when Apple swell. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you so Have much. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.